Hello and welcome to Crazy Russians in DevOps podcast, where we're talking about all things DevOps, from technology to culture, with heavy Russian accent. Dear listeners, very important announcement. Um, October 29th and 30, uh, DevOps 2019. DevOps is uh, the largest uh, DevOps conference in Russia that takes place in St. Petersburg. Um, if you never visited, you really should. Uh, there are some talks about... Um, uh, very simplified uh, visa access starting October 1st. So that's obviously done for the sake of the conference. I'm just kidding, but uh, yeah, it should be, it should be very easy to get there even from abroad. Um, the CFP is still open, so uh, you should submit as well. And if you just want to come and hear amazing speakers, um, presenting amazing topics, we have a discount code. Um, everything will be in the show notes, uh, both the official side, the CFP, and the discount code. Don't miss, uh, DevOps is going to be amazing. Thank you, Barb. And as you can see, as you can see, Russians are very obnoxious and very impatient, so they need to interrupt each other. So this is what we're going to be doing this podcast. <laughs> and I want to introduce you to my uh, co-host and uh, co co-leader and co-creator of this or like a spiritual influencer of the show is Baruch Sadagurski from JFrog. Hey, hey, everybody. Baruch, you want to introduce myself? Like, like oh, not yeah, myself, introduce guy. me. Yeah, so this is a driving force uh, behind this podcast. And if we have any episodes at all, that's thanks to Viktor Gamov uh, with Confluent, developer advocate, DevOps uh, enthusiast, and uh, very Russian in DevOps, some ways. DevOps wannabe. Uh, <laughs> so you need to talk a little bit directly to microphone because like when you, you know... The, okay. The, yes, that, <laughs> that would be better. All right. So today today we have this uh, first episode where, where we actually... Not the first, like the first one episode where we did like classic episode where we do interviews in uh, in studios and uh, with uh, good quality, oh, not conference style. Ah, well, it wasn't yes, good quality. Yes, exactly. So. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and um, today we're going to be talking a very interesting topic. So we started this from the classic uh, DevOps uh, perspective. We talk about some other topics like cloud already. Um, you've heard, probably some of you heard about some, some other episodes. Now, and today we're going to be talking about something else, like what I like to call it um, DevOps from parallel universe <laughs> or uh, the story from our... Um, friends like from our little friends um, <laughs> okay <laughs> so and uh the baruch you want to introduce oh no it's a devops so we have uh our guest will introduce himself um so in this case it's kind of you go in there you're talking hi um we're doing the stand-up style right what okay. did you do oh, what you're going to oh, be doing you? yes oh, uh, what, what yeah what uh, and what the problem you have Right. Who is Mr. Vladimir? Okay. Exactly. So, Who is oh Vlad? Oh Vlad, Vlad. <laughs> Vlad. Yes, yes. Well, I hate it literally. <laughs> okay, right, it's, not, it's not. It's not. Yeah, it's never Vlad. It's Vladimir. So my name is Vladimir Ivanov, and I'm. This is exactly what the Vladimir is usually say. You know, when the Americans call him Vlad, he said it's not Vlad. It's yeah, Vladimir. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I think I think I'm gonna start all the George like Gregs. Okay, okay, Greg. So what I'm doing, I'm designing mobile-centric systems for living at EPM Systems. Uh, this is the name of the company. So, and also I'm a, a head of program committee of Mobius Conference. So we'll, I think we will cover that a little bit later. And Hopefully. yeah, and today we're talking about mobile and uh, especially DevOps in mobile aspect. And I believe it's so different from classic DevOps perspective. You had had an access to uh, in this podcast. So and as always, it's a heavy Russian accent. So that's why, dear listeners, you need to learn the Russian pronunciation of certain words, specifically like mobile. So this <laughs> is how you're talking about the mobile development in Russian. It's mobile, mobile development. Mobile, yeah. Mobile. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, yeah, yeah. I um, know mobile development, but 
Crazy Russians yeah, podcast. We'll call right? it, yeah, we'll call it Mobile. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. Mobile. Bark, do not forget to be closer to your microphone. <laughs> uh, we're not doing video, so you don't need to be like a full, uh, like a full face on on, on the screen. But we, like, we, we are doing video, and we very well yeah. might upload it to our YouTube channel. Oh okay. my god! All right. Okay. So let's uh, <laughs> let's talk about this stuff. Okay. So um, the first thing when I heard about the mobile development and DevOps, like, do you guys also have a DevOps? Like, what? Oh, what's, course, what? Course, what? The what? So talk about this. Um, talk us a little bit about how essentially like what what's the typical let's let's start with this one um what the typical misconceptions that people have about mobile development like what uh most uh five most common what the fucks uh that people can say um or you can say when the people talking about uh, mobile development but they clearly don't know what they're talking about so what is the like five things that you need to explain to people all the time that it is not exactly how they the the Mobile development in 2019 is not like your grandpa mobile development. Like, <laughs> that was so. a very long question, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I'm not sure. I'm it's still morning. It's still yeah. morning. I still need to, you know, go into my flow and stuff. Okay, okay. I'm not sure. I'm going to list a, a five things. But uh, the most common misconception about mobile development is uh, that it's super simple. You don't need to think about it. It's like, like a bunch of guys writing Android and iOS apps and everything's clear and simple and straightforward. So, and uh, th that's why during pre-sales process, for example, uh, we get some guys with hardcore Java background uh, telling to the client about mobile developments and he doesn't know anything about uh, the mobile aspect at all. And uh, this is a very, very sad situation. And they don't know what uh, technical issues they're going to face during the projects. They don't know the legal issues. They don't know how is the cumbersome process of uh, publishing the application to uh, Apple Store, for example, is, and so on. So this is the most ridiculous thing. The second okay, thing so is... So let's let's pause here. So once you um, you can actually you know put some some notes to yourself so you can return, but I think we can start like uh, uh, dissecting the process, right? So it's it's also interesting that you also have a pre sales process. You also need to talk to customers. You need to talk uh, to your users and to figure out what's the requirement. Well, yeah, yeah, this yeah. is uh, <laughs> this is sounds like a real uh, software engineering project. So uh, can you um, can you compliment? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, can you walk us through like the typical process of um, collecting requirements and how it might be different or like from uh, from from traditional, you know, aspect of software development? Uh, I believe I probably running, you know, jumping in front of the gun, but I think it would be very similar with uh, any typical complex okay. Okay. Well, software engineering well, project. Usually, the process happens like this. So th there's a client coming to us and saying that we roughly want something with, with mobile. And uh, this, is, this is our business goal. This is what we want to achieve. Do you guys have any idea on how that can be implemented? And then the pre-sale team comes on the board and uh, starts scheduling the, the, uh, the meetings uh, with the client and uh, bumping them with questions, figuring out what the current situation is, what they want to achieve exactly, uh, and then start thinking about uh, what what solution may be, uh, maybe maybe the actual solution for their problem, and uh, if the mobile application comes as, as part of that solution, then uh, we start working in like in full fledged environment, right? So we discover the the technology that we're gonna use which devices we're going to deploy, which, uh, which server background is going to be, to be required because in some projects, it's only the mobile apps uh, and, and that's all. And if we have some server side, where are we going to deploy it? To, to on-premises, to, to some cloud, which cloud we're going to pick, why, and so on. Because, you know, different cloud providers has different services, uh, which has specific to mobile. For example, Google has has the, this whole Firebase thing that is very 
Uh, very convenient to use. Very for tempting to yeah, very tempting and very convenient to use for for mobile projects specifically, yeah, right? Yeah. Because it kind of yeah, 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 allows yeah. you to store a lot of things in yeah, cloud yeah, yeah. and yeah. API. Yeah, and it's, yeah, and, and it's basically serverless because you're just you're, you just have some software and you don't need to you know manage instances, uh, Kubernetes clusters, and all that stuff. So that 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 means that usually, at least in your expertise most of the time the mobile app is 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 kind of um, a supplement and i don't want to say supplement but a complement to a, to kind of a server backend and 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 web ui and and even if it's um, mobile first it's still just it's still a, a client to some backend application that has most of the business logic and what's not. Well, not necessarily. If you're running some things that is going to be done only with the mobile device, for example, um, for example, the indoor location services, right? The, the main logic is uh, on the mobile thing. Uh, for example, I don't know, some machine learning things. So I don't know which part of the face, the, the, the infamous face app, uh, happens on the mobile and which part happens on the on the backend, but uh, I think a large part happens on the on the mobile device, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but we also learned that there are lots of stuff is happening on the cloud. So yeah, 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 of course, of course. Okay, okay, that makes sense. So, so, so basically, what when we are talking about, you know, what I, I don't think. I don't think it makes much difference for for our discussion. What I really wanted to start diving in because um, we we cannot have a too long of an episode today is 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 you know really really DevOps processes for mobile and and how are they different for the traditional I would say um, processes that we we experience uh, on on. Uh, when when doing server side or or web applications. Okay. 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 Let us let, start with the similarities. I believe uh, the general pipeline is the same. So you're you've got some source code repository like Git. Then you have some build agent or CI service. Uh, I don't know. Maybe Azure DevOps and maybe some Jenkins installed in your on-premise environment and so on. Then some building thing happens, right? So. We're checking out the code. We're we're compiling the, the Kotlin code, for example, with Gradle scripts and so on. And then we, we have a binary. And then the interesting part uh, part happens. First of all, you need to stand that code. And uh, if for Android, it is a very simple process because you you got your straight Java key store with some passwords and you just sign your binary. Uh, then for Apple and iOS development, it's uh, much more complicated because you have this thing with Apple development program, uh, which can be App Store or Enterprise, uh, and it depends on the audience that you're going to deploy your application to. Uh, then uh, from that program, you have provisioning profiles, you have secrets and passwords to the secrets. And then when you sign your application, you need to deploy it, but not to, to cloud or to some server, but to some uh, stores or services that May provide you with the ability to deploy those applications to, to the end user devices. And are and, they like uh, third party services that do that? How do you do that? Uh, well, usually it's third party services. So, um, and uh, like 10 years ago, there was a service called Test Flight. Uh, it was a separate company and they provided such a service, but later Apple bought them. So uh, now they are the part of, of Apple ecosystem. Um, uh, right now, we're using different different third-party services, but the the most popular and free service is App Center from Microsoft, and they allow you to distribute the applications. So they allow you to manage the groups, uh, the rules, the notifications, and so on. So, so Microsoft go- gives you a free service to deploy your apps into Play and and App Store. Uh, it's not, it's not based. It's not mainly for deploying to App Store or Google Play. It's for deploying during your development environment. Okay, 
Mm-hmm. So during, during your development process. So deploying to some devices for your QA team, for example, or to your, or to your, or to your customer and so on. Yeah, and, and it's fine. <laughs> and, and that's Microsoft that has... No. So Microsoft, again, uh, the top of the spear of DevOps these days. No, but it's <laughs> mobile. They, they, they don't have any, like, they don't have an operating system. They don't have a phone. They not, are not, not, they are not anymore. They are not a player in, the, in, the, in this market at all. And the leading tool for automated deployment is, is from Microsoft. That's fascinating. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, actually, they bought Hockey App. And basically, this service is, is the Hockey App in the nutshell. And uh, you can see even links to still to hockey abdomens there. But yeah, I believe they did it to complement their Azure DevOps pipeline because they have like stream, uh, straightforward integration from DevOps to, to App Center. So you can build the whole pipeline for mobile just with Microsoft tools. Yeah, that makes sense, actually. That that makes sense. So so they, uh, they they do it to lure you into the rest of their DevOps services. Yep, 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 yep. But we we so for example, basically basically the Apple bought uh, the test flight. Microsoft bought the Hockey app. Yep. And now um, they they trying to compete in this kind of like a developer productivity. No, 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 uh, can, no, no, no. They're can not. They, com- can they actually? I I wouldn't say that they're competing because Apple doesn't have doesn't have instruments for Android because all their okay. instruments for for iOS or macOS. Obviously. Yeah, it's not that kind of a competition. Okay, so the uh, but uh, you also can provision. Can you have like a full cycle? Can you provision from it to like a production, meaning that yeah, like submit yeah, yeah, to yeah. to yeah, App Store and things like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, we have all this thing with better channels, with promotions and so on. So uh, with yeah, with, nice. with the same pipeline, you can deploy not to App Center but to Test Flight or to to Google Play. And for Google Play, you can pick Alpha, Beta, Production, and some other channels. And uh, even with the API, you can promote from one channel to another, like with your build procedure, right? And mm-hmm. for test uh, and for test flight, I believe it's the same. You you can deploy a build there, but I think it still requires the user interaction to press the button, like submit to for, submit for review, yeah, and uh, and confirm that you don't use some advertising IDs in your application. So that that part is manual. Ah, so there there are still some parts which, by definition, cannot be cannot be automated. I'm not I'm not sure it it can be automated, but in my practice, everybody does it manually. So, like, is it not uh, not uh, not true DevOps, or it's a <laughs> it's a DevOps, but it's a part of where you need to actually you know take uh, um take take dedicated person, yeah, 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 yeah. Well. Well, from my perspective, it looks like you're not pressing the button on, say, Jenkins, but in uh, in App Store. But who cares? Mm. Okay, so, um, so we we touched about the the process, right? And uh, there's some tools that are available for you know making this process less cumbersome and uh, less painful. Yep. Um, what else? Like, uh, what are the challenges? So sometimes, you, you, like, it's good when you have a shop like yours where you have a front-end and uh, the back-end people, they part of the same team, they can agree about certain um, 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 their protocol or the way how they will integrate with API. So have you ever worked with other teams? So for example, one team was supporting back-end, um, one team supporting uh, front-end, and how you would organize the work around this, like how you uh, talk about things uh, in relates to like uh, API endpoints, the serialization protocols and formats, uh, management of... Um, of payload of versioning of the stuff. Okay. So what's the what's the typical um the like uh, the the process where you need to integrate with this? Okay. Well, uh, if you start looking at the mobile application from the backend perspective, it uh, doesn't differentiate much from from a web application, right? You're just not deploying it from your resources, but it's deployed somewhere else with with app stores. But it's the same. API consumption thing, and you need to apply the same the same protocols, the same negotiations 
same versioning, I believe, and so on. Uh, the, only, the only thing that differs is that uh, for browser, for a web app, you just can roll out a new web version and, and you're done, right? For a mobile application, the user can opt out uh, to update your application and it just can stick with the, some old version like a year ago. And you need to force them. Uh, you, you need the mechanism to tell them that uh, the application is outdated and uh, the user is not going to uh, be able to use it uh, further in the future. For example, what Uber does is just like says, like, this version is outdated. You're not getting a taxi right now. Go to App Store and update it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is, in my opinion, it's very terrible user experience. Yeah, like when yeah. you in the a foreign country, it happens to me a few times, especially like when they, they, they have like a Uber Uber, but they have a partnership app. Yep. And after that, it redirects you to partnership app and you kind of like a super expensive, like a mobile uh, internet and you're trying to download this and it's super slow and you cannot get your taxi and stuff and it's super frustrating. So I I think, I, I, I don't think but, but personally. It's, a, it's an interesting question about uh, about the updates so obviously i care about that yeah uh, yeah and uh, so um, are there any uh, any interesting uh, um, techniques for doing something like canary uh, deployment i'm not talking about the beta channel this is this is clear you sign up you get you get the better versions but but even after you have a release can you have it limited and make it available only to a small percentage of those of yeah, the, of yeah, the yeah, yeah. to see that it actually works. Yeah, yeah, of course, and big companies do it all the time. So for your production deployment, you can literally pick up a, a percent uh, of users that gonna receive this version. So three percent, five percent, not not less, not less than five hundred users, I believe, but. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So this is actually it. It is uh, it is a proper canary deployment. Yep, yep, yep. So the the, the full fledged development for for mobile is live nowadays. Another another interesting question is monitoring and observability. Obviously, uh, the, the the options are are more limited when uh, the yep. the device is not on your control. Uh, so let's say okay. So the the whole idea of canary deployment is to see how it goes and yep. and the ability to see how it goes obviously is 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 a challenge that that is interesting to hear about so how do you how do you do that so you deployed to a percentage of your users and and now what well i believe almost every mo- mobile application uh, nowadays uh, goes with analytics and crash reporting embedded so you can pick up different services from different providers, Google, Yandex, uh, I don't know, Metrica, um, other other names. Uh, AppCenter has its own Crashlytics and so on. So you just embed uh, embed the services, and they start to uh, to collect the uh, the stack traces of your crashes, and then just send it to to your cloud or or to your service. And then in those dashboards, you can go and see that something goes wrong, and what exactly goes wrong on which devices, with which operating systems, uh, with which uh, network providers, uh, what's, uh, what is the free memory on the device in the moment of crash, and so on. So... so- this is a very good question. So now, okay, you have this data. Now, what next? Like, how you would in, uh, incorporate this data into into the process, right? Because it's a constant uh, feedback loop on you getting this information. You know a little bit more about your users now. How you would use this data to improve? Like, and what's how? The- obviously, when we tie to canary deployment, you need to automatically uh, roll back the change that you made. In in our case, it will be a push uh, the fixed version to this. 500 affected users uh, which and in this example the put that obviously the fixed version will be the previous version because this is oh this the idea is, of yeah. binary deployment how do you do that yeah this is a, an interesting question and uh, you're going to be surprised so nobody is rolling out the build if it has some crashes it doesn't matter because well it, it's not it, it matters okay okay it matters of course but uh 
every well, build nobody that you... knows of course they won't roll out a build which yeah, yeah, one, one moment one known moment. <laughs> known let, let me explain let, let okay. me explain okay. okay so you're never gonna develop a mobile application that will not have a single crash in production because the amount of devices is so of big. yes yeah so you, you're gonna have some crashes and I don't know if anybody just rolled back the, the canary builds if, I don't know, some threshold of crashes is higher than, well, okay. So I, I don't think somebody is doing that actually. So they just incorporate information about crashes. They got zero tickets for that. They fix it and roll out a, a new build. So basically, if you made um, you not you you are a good developer, but some bad developers <laughs> made made a catastrophic mistake that wasn't caught up during the automatic tests, and then they release this version. There is absolutely no way to fix it, roll back, send a fix, or or do anything else in an automatic manner. It's just. Well, it's the middle of the night, and then in the morning we'll come to the office, we will go to our inbox, we will see a lot of crash reports, and then we'll figure out that we have a problem. Um, there are, there are some, some options about that, not, not automated. And uh, the problem with uh, mobile apps is that for, for Apple, they need to pass some, uh, some review process that can take two or three days. Yeah, no, Android, but the rollback actually deploys a version that was already reviewed. Um, well, well, really? I'm not sure it does. Because well, you, that's you, the idea of a rollback. You roll back to a previous version. <laughs> <laughs> and not, usually yeah, we don't sure. roll back on the, on the mobile. We just, you know, roll, lo, roll for, forward. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure it's possible here. Okay, well. So yeah, this is this is interesting. This is we okay, guys. We into something interesting here. So there is a um, um, like uncharted territory. You can say okay. So there's a plenty of devices. There's different configuration. There's like someone will break it uh, constantly. Like you have this information to to you know to collect. Like what are you doing with this information? Okay, so you can say um, yeah, we do have uh, 5% of people uh, that getting some uh, canary updates and we don't have a ways how we can do uh, rollbacks on this one. Now, um, this is interesting, which is clearly change that we finally find something different from like a, a traditional the software projects right um, you cannot just get the previous version because the environment is highly controlled and uh, if you're not hacking your phone you don't getting any ways how you can get the different version of the app except yeah, no like, no this is version. this is not true because you have most of us have auto updates on our devices so once yep. the vendor will push a new version, which is actually an old version, uh, to fix the failed Canary deployment, uh, your device should pick it up and 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 install the yeah, automatic. Yeah. That's yeah, not but, an issue. Yeah, but the problem is that uh, the rollback update requires a rebuild because you need to have uh, an increased version of your like version code of your application. Mm -hmm. So th this is this is done only by rebuilding and then by redeploying to to stores. So here, here is where, where, where it, it actually, I see a flow in the process because um, if you take the examples that we're familiar with as, uh, you know, all, all, all the server-side Kubernetes servers and, and, and what's not, when you do a kind of redeployment, there is the older version always on a standby to roll back the canary and actually update to the previous version in order to stop the deployment of a, of a float version. This is the idea of canary deployment, because if you cannot do that, and especially when you submit a, even a previous version as a new version for three days of review, you actually doom your users, those 500 or, or whoever get your canary, to now suffer with an application, which is a sometimes unusable application, for the next three days. 
Well, I haven't heard about a mechanism when you may just roll back the, the five percentage of your users to, to a previous version. So it, it, it may be just a blank space in my knowledge, but I haven't seen that in my experience. So what? So how do you go about that? I, I mean, this is extremely worrying and, and I would say, uh, I, I mean, you are as a developer, you, you, you write some code and you but how do you sleep at night after, after a deployment when you know that if you did something wrong next, w next, the closest time you will be able to do it right will be in three days. Well, uh, yeah, there are responses for that because uh, when you start thinking about uh, mobile apps development, there are several technologies for that. And uh, we can start with native development, right, using Kotlin for Android or uh, Objective-C or Swift for iOS. Uh, then we go to some hybrid apps when your native application is just a web view rendering some server-side uh, HTML page with some JavaScript. So mm -hmm. it's called hybrid. And then we have some great territory when you use, for example, React Native or Flutter. And uh, React Native, for example, has a mechanism of pushing the update of JavaScript part of your code that can be changed instantly. So it doesn't require the republishing or your application, just republishing of the JavaScript bundle. Yeah, yeah. No, but th those are obviously um, cases Hex. when you actually don't have a native application, but instead you have parts that come from the server and they can be replaced yep. and rolled yep. back as, as, as we all know. Yeah, and th this is the server it's side. Not, it's not... Well, it's, obviously, this is obviously what we the did most the interesting part is the, is the native. When you're... When your uh, your your runtime is is out of your control, and what you are saying is that the current mechanism not only uh, doesn't make it easier, but it actually makes it harder on you to react to a failed release. It means that you have to have an extreme level of confidence in 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 every uh, every update you push. How do you how do you live with that? <laughs> How do we live? Uh, well, big companies, uh, they, they have two ways, right? So they're either buying a lot of devices and run automated tests on them, or they buy an access to a mobile farm when, where all those devices are already bought and connected to some API, and you can deploy your application to this mobile farm and uh, have your automated tests run, and then collect all the reports from all those devices and see if something terrible happens. So that's how we do that. So this is very, very far away from any continuous delivery or, or, or continuous deployment or continuous updates techniques that we, that we use on the server side because of this, I need to make sure and double check and triple check everything before I deploy which usually will consist a, a very thorough manual QA because obviously you cannot trust your automatic tests 100%. Well, mm, what do you mean by, by you cannot trust? Uh, well, just the, the fact that uh, as of now, automatic tests, just any, any automation cannot guarantee 100% coverage of both um, oh, yeah, yeah, functional and non-functional requirements. Yeah, yeah, of course it cannot. So it can just cover some already known features that weren't changed and just... Exactly. Well, it, it's not kind of, yeah, it's not kind of proof, but have a, uh, you know, have a visibility that it looks like it works. So kind of that, kind of that. Yeah, and, and that would be enough if you can say, okay, I'm going to deploy to my canary percentage, and if something goes wrong, we will roll it back in seconds. But that's, as we just spoke, yeah. not the case. Yeah, so usually it happens, so th the next day you see some, some major problem, you fix it right away, the, mm -hmm. then just deploy a new version to, to the same uh, canary, 
January percent. And then you say it will take three days for them to actually get it. Well, yeah, maybe well, it really well, depends on for, how for, fast the process. Um, yeah, for Android, it takes a couple of hours, maybe four hours. For iOS, you can say that you have an uh, a crucial bug fix, and they will do the review m maybe in a day, so much faster than usual. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, I still, we're talking about hours and hours and days. And if you yep. do have a catastrophic failure that your automatic tests didn't catch, this is... Uh, this is, but, uh, this is but how... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, but how... What is what, what, what kind of catastrophe you imagine? So the user can't log in? We're going to catch that, for sure. Well, the, the thing is, I don't... I don't mind, right? If if we are going back to the example of our, our our server side, it really doesn't matter how bad the bugs or or how bad how bad it is, because um, I I can I can automatically roll back based on the metrics from my observability systems, right? The, the whole idea of, of of Canary is that I generate a load that I cannot generate on my test lab and I test scenarios that I cannot test on my, on my test lab and I test um, on, on the devices that I don't have. And then I don't know what's going to happen, but I, I don't, I'm not worried very much because I have my monitoring, automatic monitoring, not I will come back next day and I will see what's going on. My automatic metrics in, in place and if I see stuff like exceptions, CPU spikes, uh, abnormal load, I can easily define thresholds in which I will just roll back on a, on a, to the previous version. And then I'm not in a rush. I don't need to beg Apple to make the review faster. I, everything is already <laughs> rolled back. I have my analytics, I have my reports, and I can start to look for a bug and fix it in my own pace. Yep, unfortunately it is like that. Okay, so it is it is still like a still still some some problems. So it's not like that uh, that easy and maybe like automated. Uh, everything is automated and things like that. So and it's clearly the problem that Baruch explaining um, can be fixed quite quite easy with the traditional like a like a thin thick client type of apps where we can like push these updates real quickly. Where when you're working on this. Um, controlled environment where you still have a play by rules of vendor who provides this platform. Yep. It's just a rules of the engagement with platform. Nothing, nothing more. Yeah, right? no, but that's not a good excuse because, in the end of the day, Apple are interested in in the happiness of the of their users as 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 much as the vendors of the applications are. Yep. Yeah. And the, uh, Apple actually does a quite a good review, so they just click through all your application. No, but that's a, that's a not a good review. That's a very bad review because it's it's manual, a, it's a manual QA. It's a manual it's a, process. It's, that a, it's a manual QA. That's a, it's not a compliment. <laughs> um, and another pretty cool uh, result of review, and when you're actually getting users' reviews that will affect the application review, that will affect your your marketing funnel. When the marketing will come to you saying like, "What the hell, you guys did?" We are dropping our numbers because, like, the previous version introduced some crashes that affected rating of the app in in the App Store. That will affect our, you know, the numbers of downloading app and this uh, adoption uh, adoption numbers so far and so on. So in this case, like, you think um, right now you're talking as an engineer, and I quite uh, understand this since you folks doing a lot of consultancy, but when you working in um, um, in the in the company that you know have this like a product and the yep. mobile is the thing that allows them to sell this effect, or even they might be selling this these bugs might not affect you only user experience but they also might affect revenue right so yeah, that's yeah, why the questions that we just discussed is are uh, not only it's a kind of like a the mythical uh, technology manual versus automatical QA, but it's also like a things that uh, might affect the real world. And uh, this um, this thing can go viral. Like the 
Same thing is success of your app can go viral, then your failures can go viral. So this is this is something that you need to guys consider. Like when you uh, when you're thinking about the uh, next next project and how how technology aspects may 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 affect the um, overall. Uh, what 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 the word I'm looking for? Uh, image In of the, English the of your, oh, yeah English is hard. <laughs> no it's it's still morning still uh, didn't have my coffee just only contemplations um, all right so um, what well, else we didn't discuss uh, well uh, let me make a note that we we have some services to help with at least with the revenue and adoption thing and we do a b testing a lot on mobile and uh, for for the for the big applications they may have uh, May happen several A/B testing running simultaneously. I think Uber does that, Lyft does that, and uh, other companies with mobile applications does that a lot. So, yeah, no, I mean that makes sense, and 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 obviously A/B testing and counter deployment. A/B testing maybe it's not the right the right term, uh, but because it's it's actually about marketing. But uh, I think counter deployment and and multiple counter deployments at the same time makes sense. But they, they, you, you, what we, what we just discussed, it's like you're doing half of the job, right? So you do make yeah. uh, your users testers, but you actually don't. You're, you're not, you're not rolling back as, as, as fast as needed when, um, when, when, when the problem arises. So for me, that's that's a very, very big kind of a problem in, in, in this niche in our vision of getting to a uh, continuous updates and, and, and flawless DevOps, um, DevOps practices. I don't want to finish this episode on this like a very sad <laughs> note. Um, maybe we have some, uh, some optimistic opinions in, in the room. Um, uh, before we uh, wrap up, um, well, on a on a bright side, it's it can be very easily changed, right? As as we as we just spoke, uh, it's uh, it's pretty obvious what what's needed to be done. The previous version that was already approved and pre-approved just need to hang around in the platform, uh, and and the simple REST API should automatically revert to it or update to it if you wish, and yeah. and and that solves the problem. It's just the ball is is on Apple and 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 Google's court, and it's up to them to uh, to do it. Uh, but yeah, it's not it's not a rocket science. They uh, but it's a, it's a, it's a technical problem, not um, not a cultural or 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 a procedural problem, right? So because you think you think this is the like since we're working on the platform, like uh, as a mobile developers, the the vendor of the mobile platform should provide us with. Uh, with the thing, since we don't have a control, exactly, so we can fix this. even even if uh, now we convinced Full Dimmer and he's come ba- he's coming back to, uh, you know, the, the, to the office and say, you know what, I need to implement this rollback procedure. He's he has no way of doing it because he's not in control not only of the runtime but also of the pipeline to the runtime. It's actually Google and 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 Apple who decides. What is being downloaded to um, to the phone in the end of the day, and this is why all those hybrid uh, applications trying to solve this problem, they try to bypass or, or shortcut Google and Apple in this regard, right? Because uh, then you install some framework on developer on uh, story on the end user uh, device and push the updates directly from from your servers, bypassing uh, uh, Apple and Google. The problem is obviously the, idea. the problem is that um, then um, usability suffers because those hybrid applications don't look and feel as great as the native ones. So, oh, so yeah. here's the yeah. <laughs> here's uh, here's an idea for you guys. Um, maybe trade-off. something to consider. Maybe you're already doing something like this, but feature flags. Is actually the way how you can achieve we, both we things. We, we already do. You that. can do uh, you can do A/B testing. You can test some things, and yeah, you can yeah. do rollbacks if something will break. Yeah, so we, we it do is. That. It will take a little bit more work on the on the side of things. How, but... how does it help? How does it different from the canary and the problem with the rollback? 
So here's the thing. So you're introducing new feature and you can, uh, like everyone has this the version of this app, but you have a control who will see this feature, who will not. So you will be able to see how it will affect your, your user experience. But from the other side, feature flag allows you to kind of like remotely control what the pieces of UI to display. So right? here, is, so here are a number the, of problems with this approach. First, what you're saying yeah. is almost like this hybrid thing that you push some pieces of the app from the server. That's one solution to that. And the other no, is no, no. actually... It's, it's one packing, app. It's actually... It's one yeah, app. Yeah, yeah. And the other is actually packing two different apps into single one and then toggling the switch from the server and deciding yeah, which one It's just work. one app, but the representation looks... It's like very typical practice. I was doing this like since 2010. Uh, we did this even on a Flex client. Exactly. Like back in the day. So the the, the that allows us to like... Our team allows to to build like new features, but uh, we have a control over who can access to this one, and it's just API call. Just basically from the user ID, we know what's the user's entitlement, and based on this entitlement, we just like show or hide some screens, and that's it. Well, we already, not we already do that, and for teams uh, with number of engineers higher than like I believe six. This is the only way of development itself, because otherwise you're just you're just doomed with uh, with merged and with several release plans ahead and so on. So feature flags is the only way to do that. Yeah, yeah. So this is why I was wondering like why you'd mention this one because I think it's clearly a uh, good trade off as Baruch mentioning, right? Um, it makes things maybe a little bit complex on the development side of things. Yeah, but it allows you to be too flexible on you know going forward yeah right? the, the, so. pro- the problem is that uh the most applications has only two or three developers per platform they're not well, big monsters you know, like Uber throw is. throw more money into fire it's always like a good <laughs> idea hire yeah. more people and as we know that uh, nine developers can uh finish the software project that takes uh, nine months in, in one just month one obviously month. yes yeah. that's very true um that uh, well, yeah. Well, while while this solution definitely helps, uh, it does not solve the problem entirely because we are still talking about running a single application, different parts of this application, and and each and every one of them can have bugs, and even switching between them and combining to the, those features into an existing features can can misfire as well. So while while this is a solution. It's not as reliant as as uh, local rollbacks, but I guess it is what it is, right? Yep. All right. So I think it's a it's a good segue to uh, to finish the show with the <laughs> things that like uh, as Baruch usually says, uh, DevOps is like riding a bike, and DevOps on the mobile is like riding a bike, except which is um, the, yeah. it's like riding a bike. Which, which is uh, the bike on fire and you're riding on the fire and uh, everyone's in hell. So um, nothing is uh, ever, <laughs> you know, n- there's nothing, there's no silver bullet yet, unfortunately, or maybe uh, fortunately, so it makes us... Yep. Um, one, 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 uh, one moment more. So I want to invite everybody who's coming to Russia in December. So we're having a Mobius conference there right after the Kotlin Conf, so on 7th and 8th of December. And uh, there will be a lot of talks on the, the, the DevOps and mobile. So if you're interested, please come in. And if you have something to share, just apply for, for talking at our conference. We will be happy. Yeah, and we will make sure to include uh, in the show notes both the call for paper and a nice discount from our podcast for, to everybody who wants to attend the conference. All right, so this is again good uh, good way to finish this uh, on on the podcast side of things. Um, we ask you to if you listen to this episode, if you like it episode, just go there and uh, gives us a five star review on iTunes. At our support, y- your support is really matter for us. It's the only thing that drives us since. Uh, 
we don't have a sponsor, which is um, also we have opportunity to, if you want to sponsor and you're doing some DevOps side of things, come to us and we can talk about your cool thing or we can talk about your cool thing on a regular basis. And I remind you that uh, we have this uh, awesome guest today, Vladimir Ivanov from our um, um, the not so distant friends in mobile development. Apparently, they also sharing same problems, sharing same uh, pains that uh, every more or less complex software project in 2019 might might have. And uh, I want to say thank you for him spending this time to us and uh, explain that it's not so much. Um, it was easier. It's not. It's even though even though it's a smaller smaller computers doesn't mean the applications <laughs> will be smaller. Uh, it's usually the smaller you get, the, the harder the problems are. Wait until we exactly. get someone from IoT. Okay. <laughs> so and um, yeah, if you want to talk about this uh, in IoT, we can um, we can talk about this. Uh, also, do not forget um, provide a feedback. And if you want to learn something specific, or you want to ask to invite some guests and interrogate them with these advanced Russian techniques of uh, uh, DevOps culture interrogation, we can do that as well. As always, I want to say thank to my uh, the like mental influencer of, of the show, Baruch Sadagurski. Today, he joined me in, in the studio. And uh, stay tuned for next episodes. I have one in Pipeline as well. So uh, we're going to be back very soon. Okay. Thank you so much. Uh, Vladimir, thank you very much and uh, for joining us. Victor, thank you for, for hosting. And uh, see you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you, Baruch. Victor, bye. Uh, before we depart, just a short reminder about the DevOps, um, the DevOps conference in uh, St. Petersburg, Russia, October 29th and 30s. Uh, check the show notes for um, the website, the discount code, and the CFP, which is still open. And we really hope to see some of you submitting talks and eventually speak at the conference. Thank you for listening to this episode of Crazy Russians in DevOps. As always, subscribe to this podcast in iTunes and rate this show to show your support. And as always, have a nice day.